W P V M FM 103.7 on the dial. Heard globally on WPVMFM.org. All hit radio. Lester the Nightfly? Lester the Nightfly. I'm Lester the Nightfly. Lester the Nightfly. I'm Lester the Nightfly. Hello, Baton Rouge. Hello and welcome to Lester the Nightfly. We have part two with Dave Kikoski here today. We spent a lot of time learning about Dave last episode. It's a great one to listen to if you have not heard it yet. But this week we're going to go into some more of his music and recommendations for us to listen to. This is an ongoing series of learning about jazz for me and I hope for you. Jazz is mysterious. It's enigmatic and it's got a lot to reveal to us, I believe. But without a guide, I think we can get lost. So in this case, we have a great guide. His name is Dave. He's a jazz piano man from New York. He's worked with amazing professionals in the world of jazz and he's got a hundred recordings to his credit so far. So let's continue my conversation with Dave Kikoski here on Lester the Nightfly. Let's go to 1993, the record right. Enter the Spirit right. by Bob Berg. And right. this was written by Chick Corea. Now, Dave, I don't know if you realize this, but I did three shows on Chick Corea right after his passing uh. earlier this year. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, that that must have been. I well, here's here's the all, all the cards on the table. Okay, I didn't really know his music, so I'm I'm okay. I'm, I'm a, a bit ashamed. That's truthfully. all right. That's and all right. I, here's here's the path. I it's really ridiculous, but I guess we all get to places better um, late than never, right? Well, let's just say that because I, I there was a I became a long ago in childhood a, a fan of the Manhattan Transfer, big big fan. I followed them all the way through, and they did a record called uh, the Chick Korea Songbook. And on that record, there were a number of tracks. It's all vocal, you know, with jazz musicians. But yeah. Chick was involved in the production, right? And it was a beautiful, beautiful record. And, and but I love that it was vocal, and so it's it's a weird approach right. to jazz. Let's call it. It's not what you do. It's their spin. And right. when they were doing jazz, by the way, I really uh, uh, admire what they did greatly. They also did a lot sure. of pop and everything else. Okay. Yeah, yeah, no, it's a good band. I like. Yeah, it. I really love them. So, so I, I'm like, oh my gosh, what an excuse to do. Let, let me learn about Chick Corea, and it turned out to be three shows, and I fell in love with Chick Corea through oh, that yeah, yeah. process in oh, yeah, March, yeah, yeah. and I mean it. Yeah. I watched his tiny desk. I learned about Crystal Palace. I mean, all the things right. that you know already, I didn't. Right in february right, right. and i did in april after oh i'm and, glad you're into chick now very good. oh it blow i mean yeah. I, I i mourned at the end i yep, mourned yep, his yep. passing before i didn't yeah. oh a jazz guy okay then yeah. i felt it and uh and in this case you had written to me he wanted you to play on this track and not him what an honor right that is. <laughs> right right well there i I knew him briefly from playing with Randy Brecker and Roy Haynes, right? Mm -hmm. But then when I was playing with Bob Berg, we became pretty close. I mean, we, it wasn't like my best friend, but we had multiple conversations on the phone. He was interested in, in doing some projects, which we, uh, we didn't really get to that, but um, we ended up doing a tour together when I was playing with Roy Haynes and, and uh, 
John Petitucci, Chick was playing solo piano opposite us, doing all the major festivals. So we became, and between that and and doing this record with 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 Bob Berg, which we're uh, we're going to check out now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we became friendly. We talked, had a lot of great conversations on the phone, and spent time uh, on the road together. And you know, it, to me, it's such an honor to play something he's that he wrote, especially for for myself and Bob, because you know I've been a fan of of Chicks since I was twelve or thirteen year old. Year old, I started uh, trying to learn his music after I finished going to college. And I started playing with Roy Haynes. He was—he had all Chick's uh, manuscripts at his house. They weren't copies. They, Chick would write a song and send it to Roy Haynes and say, "You can use this with your band if you'd like." So I, in other words, I've been recording Chick's songs uh, with Roy Haynes for many years. Then later with Bob Berg, uh, after recording a lot of his stuff already. To have him write something, especially for me, was like an extra, you know, feather, you know, in my cap. It was like such an honor. And Chick was such a nice guy, personally and musically. You know, I've learned so much from him. He's, he was just uh, the greatest, mm. the greatest person. So beautiful. That's another show. I did three of them. I'll, I'll yeah. happily do a fourth with you leading the ship on which ones, which songs we focus on because exactly it would be fun to hear your 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 pitch on absolutely what, what you like. Okay, well, let's listen to Promise. Enter the Spirit is the record by Bob Berg. It's written by Chick Corea, uh, featuring uh, you, Dave Kikoski, here on Lester the Nightfly.
Lester the Nightfly on the radio and we're talking about jazz it it's uh, if you could see the smile on my face you'd you'd all smile with me I'll just say that right now because <laughs> uh, we're having a lot of fun we're going to move on now from that lovely song written by Chikoria that was Promise uh, featuring our, our guest Dave Kikoski this is a song called Satellite and uh, it's from a record called Persistent Dreams. That's one of yours, Dave, produced yep. by Steely Dan's Walter Becker. Wow, wow, wow. Tell us about this recording. It's 1991. I was playing with Randy Brecker at a place called Catalina's in L.A. I think it's still going. We were doing a week there. You know, you go out there and do a week. And there was a lot of, uh, you know, famous musical uh, personalities there. A lot of people came to say hello to Randy and hear his new group that I was in. The Steely Dan people were there and, and many others. Uh, there was a company called Triloca Records. They really liked the way I sounded. And after I got back to New York, they called me and said, we want you to come and do your own record. We'll fly you out to LA and we're going to get Walter Becker from Steely Dan to produce. He was there with us that night, and we came up with this whole idea that we want to produce Dave Kukoski. He was a very nice guy. He didn't say that much, uh, to be honest, uh, during the whole session. He was very friendly. He was very mellow, which was great. He's, and I said, well, you know, I have a lot of different ideas and, you know, I want to do some swing, but I also want, I have a tune that's a little bit funky. And then I have, an, I have this idea to do a song by John Coltrane in the Giant Steps uh, category, but I don't want to do it like John Coltrane. I want to do it with uh, a synthesizer solo and synthesizer and drum duet with Billy Hart. And he said, sure, do whatever you want. You know, I said, is it okay if I mix things up a little bit? He says, whatever, whatever your uh, instincts are telling you to do, I'm behind it all the way. So I was like, wow, this guy's very open-minded and very cool. There was one tune where I was playing good, but I wasn't playing as good as I wanted to. It was like we did two takes and I was like, all right, well, one of those should be okay. And I was going to move on to another tune and he, and he kind of stopped us and he said, hey, Dave. I think you have one more take in you. And so I said, I'm like, okay, well, now he's given some kind of little instructions. So we did one more take, and that was the one. He left space. He didn't talk a lot, but when he said something, it had impact, and it was very 
practical and very useful. So that's what we did on this uh, on this uh, composition by John Coltrane called Satellite. By John Coltrane. This is Satellite featuring Dave Kokoski, produced by Walter Becker. Super cool. Let's take a listen.
you may be listening right now to one of these bold and innovative radio stations. WHPW 97.3 FM in Harpswell, Maine. KYGT 103.9 and 102.7 FM, The Goat in Clear Creek, Colorado. You mentioned the Walter Becker coming in and, you know, giving a couple instructions. He was generally pretty cool. It's an honor to be produced by him. Of course, uh, he's noted he and Donald Fagan for their meticulous, their you know, persnickety approach, the session musician after session musician right. coming and coming and coming to, to right. finally get the right sax solo or whatever. Right. Um, were you nervous? Were you appreh- Were you anxious? Or were you like, no, no, it's all fun. What was your attitude? My attitude was this guy's being so mellow. I think he's probably more nervous when he's doing his own records. And it, cause it's like a different mentality. I wasn't there watching them do Steely Dan records, but I'm imagining it's a completely different uh, sensibility. They have improvisation, but it's, it's primarily the song, the sound of the instruments, the production, etc. They might take like three or four days on one guitar solo but it's for a pop record. It's for Mm -hmm. a rock and roll record where everything's got to be perfect. Jazz has to be perfect, but it's a different kind of perfect. So I have a feeling uh, when he does, when he produces jazz, which probably he didn't do very much, you know, I was one of the exceptions, I'm sure. When he produces a jazz record, he doesn't think of it the same way. Have you seen the documentary? You can see it on YouTube. Uh, the making of the record Aja. Asia. Asia, uh, Asia uh, right? Of course. Yes. Steely Dan. Steely Dan. Yeah. yeah. I mean, actually, maybe it's Aja. Who knows? No, no, you're right. It was Asia. I'm, I'm an idiot. Okay. Uh, uh, anyway, uh, no, no. I, I will check it out. You know, the funniest thing is when I, when I did this record, right? The, the, the persistent dreams with yeah. Becker. They lined up a few interviews, like in some of the, like. I don't know if it was downbeat or one of those. Uh, so they and, and they called me and and the interviewer said, "You must have been so honored to have Walter Be- Walter Becker from Steely Dan produce your your record." Uh, and I said, "No, I was very very honored." And then they said, "You probably have all the Steely Dan records, you know, from when you were a little kid." I thought I could be be slick, but then I decided to be honest. And then, so I, so I said, actually, I don't have any Steely Dan records. I heard them on the radio because they, they had all those hits. But yeah. that's, I, I just heard them on the radio. I, didn't, I don't have any of their records. So they were like, oh, wow. Oh, that's a great quote for the-, for the Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> uh, Walter, ben, Walter Becker produced your record, but you don't have any of their you records. You don't even have his record. <laughs> yeah. And I, I said, okay, whatever. Tell us a little bit about Bob Berg. Okay. Uh, he passed away, uh, was killed, dear God, in 20, 2002. Uh, I played a lot of touring and I produced his last record called Another Standard. I produced and arranged that one. 
and uh, you know, came over my house like every day for a few weeks, and, and we produced and arranged that one together. And then maybe a year later, he died. That was a tough time for me. I mean, within a week of Bob Byrne dying, my mother died. So those were tough times. I met him playing with Randy Brecker. So the front line was, that was a great front line. Bob Berg on saxophone and Randy Brecker on trumpet. That was a great band too. And then I started working with Bob Berg, his own band, doing his, his music. And we did a lot of standards and uh, some of his compositions. And that's, that's how I got reacquainted with Chick Corea. I hear a faint voice singing along in the background during your solo. Oh, on satellite. On yeah. Satellite. Yeah. On Who's doing record. that? What's going on there? Uh, <laughs> it was awesome. I loved it. <laughs> that's that's me. That's me. So, okay. Right. A lot of jazz piano players, uh, when they improvise, they're kind of singing along. I try not to do it too loud. Oh, no, but, it wasn't uh, too loud, but it yeah. was there. It but was you awesome. Can hear it, you can hear it in the background. Sometimes yeah. when you sing along with your improvisational solo, then uh, not always, but it tends, it tends to make the solo more melodic. Hopefully when you're singing along, it makes it more like a vocal, it gives it more of a vocal lyrical quality. You know it's I mean? too much fun talking with you. I've got another yeah. one. I've got another one for you, Dave. Uh, we, I yeah. promise we're going to get to Perdido. But the, the next thing is yeah. Jackie Bayard. Right. You are familiar with Jackie's work, I would ja guess? Jackie, Jackie Bayard, yeah. I mean, I, I, I study a lot of Jackie Bayard's music because he was the main... I play with the Mingus, the Charles Mingus big band. We'll get to that on the, on the, on the next show because uh, we got a Grammy uh, 2012 we got a Grammy for the best big band. At any rate, I never play with Charles Mingus, but I am in the Charles Mingus big band. We play all his music with a lot of the guys that used to play with Charles. So if you go back 40 years, 50 years, Jackie Bayard was the keyboard player playing the parts that I play now in the band. So yeah. I need to I need to listen to him just to learn the music for the Charles Mingus big band. He has a lot of stride style, like the New York Harlem stride. He has a mm -hmm. lot of that. And that's kind of, that style was developed by people like Fats Waller and James P. Johnson uh, and guys from the 20s and 30s uh, and Count Basie too. The interesting thing about Jackie Byard is Jackie Byard played sometimes very what they call avant-garde style very uh jagged and dissident and but he also played bebop and he also played blues and he also played stride piano so he was very very uh well eclectic in a way but i would call it more uh, far-reaching and very very versatile he also played classical music too I don't know a lot about Jackie Bayard, but I uh, there's one piece, and I think this is a little bit of a present your way since you've given us so many gifts so far. And that is he did a solo work on a record called Amar Chord Nino Rota. 
Nino Rota, the great composer, the Italian for all the Fellini film. Yeah, and, I love Nino Rota. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, just what a signature sound that is, <laughs> yeah. and all those beautiful films. But uh, Jackie Bayard did a 12, 14 minute solo piece, and you hear him humming in the background. That's why I bring really? it up. Ah. And it's so phenomenal. Amar Chord, Nino Rota, Jackie Bayard, A-M-A-R-C-O-R-D, Amar Chord. It's an Italian word. Oh, that's a different word. It means I remember. Amar Chord, Nino Rota. Makes sense. And the name of the record, Amar Chord. Honest to God, Dave, you're going to go out of your mind. It is so lovely. And and you're going to hear, you're going to hear Jackie humming along, just like you. I love Jackie. I love Jackie. He's great. Uh, Yeah, I can't let that opportunity go by. Let's listen to it. Let's all listen to it. Let's share. This is Jackie Bayard. The record is Amarcord. The song is Amarcord. It's a tremendous suite of Nino Rota music made for the Federico Fellini films. I'm sure you'll enjoy this one. And listen for the little humming along as we go.
right, we're moving on. Perdido. So you walk you walk me into this with okay, yeah, we're gonna one of the greats, you know, one of my all time favorites, Bud Powell, Dizzy. Okay, thanks a lot, Dave. Little did I know, and I don't. I, I could go for an hour, and I promise not to. This is one of the great nights, one of the great recordings of all time. This right. is this is there. There's hardly anything close to this record right. and, and i did all this exploration and i don't want to bore everybody yes, let's yes. let's start by listening to it and then and then i want to hear your thoughts and why you chose it but man you sent me down a rabbit hole that lasted an hour last night when oh, i was good, exploring. Good. this is perdido it's charlie parker uh jazz at massey hall in canada uh it's 1945 and the record was ended up to be called every bit of it let's listen to the record it's epic right. enjoy the laughter enjoy the the crowd. I believe this is the first track of the set. Get into it, everybody. And then we're going to hear Dave tell us about it on the other end.
You're listening to Lester the Nightfly. This is PJ Ewing. I'm here with Dave Kikoski. We've just heard one of the great jazz works of all time. Thank you, Dave. Yeah. Tell us, man. I discovered this in my father's record collection when I was very young, and I didn't really know who Charlie Parker was or anything. Uh, but as I got more into jazz and more into bebop, it turns out uh, that my father made a good choice that day when he bought this record because later they, they put it out as a reissue and they actually called it the greatest jazz concert ever. So, I mean, that, that's a pretty bold statement, but actually it's an understatement because it really was the greatest jazz concert ever because it, it was uh, the piano player, Bud Powell, was the, the greatest bebop piano player, genius, one of my all-time heroes. Charlie Parker, the alto saxophonist, completely transformed uh, jazz music in the or, or music in general in the 20th century. Charlie Parker, I, in, in, I'm not the only one who thinks this. This is kind of common knowledge for jazz aficionados. Charlie Parker was... Uh, one of the greatest geniuses, not just in music, but in any field. He completely revolutionized uh, jazz improvisation. He brought it, he sort of took it where it was something to dance to and have a good time. He turned it into, uh, he made jazz into something that's like the greatest uh, American art form that was that, that, that America has produced, the greatest art form that America, and, and this guy, Charlie Parker, single-handedly single is responsible for doing that. Um, Dizzy Gillespie is also an innovator on trumpet. He's on the record. They were best, for, they were, you know, very close. But Charlie Parker and Bud Powell, the pianist, um, didn't play, they used to fight, and they didn't play that much together. So getting them two together with Dizzy Gillespie and Max Roach, and guess who's on bass? Did, did I tell you who's on bass? I know already. Charles Mingus. Right. Who's, like I said, I'm, uh, I've been Unbelievable. fortunate enough to, to play. I never met Charles myself, but I'm fortunate enough to play in the band with Charles Mingus. In fact, if you listen very close on this record, you can hear two bass players. It's not two bass players. What happened is Charles Mingus had the recording of it and the bass was recorded so quietly you barely can hear it. Mm -hmm. So what he did is he was the one who had the tape and he had his own record company. So he was the one who released this record on his own record company and he recorded the bass part over he overdubbed on top of Charlie uh, Parker and all of them. So if you listen, that's why the bass is real loud <laughs> because he did it like, you know, 20 years later and he, and he put the bass real loud so you can hear it. But if you listen close when um, during the quiet sections, like the bass solo is when it's very quiet and there's no drums, you can hear the two basses. Ah, uh, I'm going to listen for that. You can hear the quiet one and the loud one. <laughs> so everyone listening, you remember, you can go back to LesterTheNightFly.com and you can listen to this whole show over again and maybe pay close attention to this. I encourage you to go to the website because 
I am also going to put a, about a five-minute video that was done last year, very recent. There's a series of analysis of jazz music. It was tied to a music festival somewhere. I, and I don't, I'm not going to do it justice. So go to the website. There's a gentleman who does a full boat analysis of this evening at Massey Hall, this recording, and the drama. There was a boxing match. It siphoned off some of the fans. They they took a break in the middle. Everybody, audience and band members went across the street and got drunk across the street and then came back to the th- It was a quarter full because everyone was at the boxing match, um, right. Rocky Marciano or something. And, yeah, and, and, and nobody made any money. I mean, there, there's like there's a giant yeah. there crazy stories around yeah. this evening. Yeah. yeah. And Bud Powell, uh, Bud Powell did a, a, a set trio with no saxophone and trumpet. He did a whole set by himself that you can find, too. Yeah, this this just what there's a whole nother record. There's yeah. a whole nother record that's just piano trio. Oh and my Bud, God. and Bud, Bud was completely drunk before he even did the the. So he had to play a set by himself with the trio, <laughs> and then Charlie Parker and Dizzy came and did another set. But he was drunk before his first set. Anyway. Yeah, and, and you know, even the venue was kind of cool. You know, it was it's a major landmark. Yeah. I mean, yeah. th- th- everything about this is just kind of magical from yeah. the consternation and people not getting paid to the boxing match to the drunkenness. And it's just it's a sparkling thing. And Dave, I would not have known about it had you not brought it to us. Thank Good. you. Thank Good. you for that. Good. Wow. That, yeah, really cool. That was Perdido. Go to the website, watch the video. It's really, 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 really do it. It's, it's worth a look. So Dave and I are having a great time. I hope you are too. We are taking our slow time, are we not, on this journey through the world of jazz with our guy, Dave Kikoski. Just amazing. I'm so pleased to present this to you because I don't feel like I really understand jazz and I've listened to a lot of it all my life, but it's always been elusive and we're getting to the meat of the matter a little bit with Dave's guidance. It's just... uh, It's just terrific. We have some amazing music upcoming in the next episode. And by the way, we've turned this into a four-part series, not a three-part series, as you can probably surmise. On our next show, we will hear Steps by Roy Haynes with Dave Kikoski. Stranger in Paradise. That's Seamus Blake's Live at Smalls with Dave. Pursuance, this is from John Coltrane. It's from the record A Love Supreme, one of the greats of all time. Orbits. This is from the record Miles Smiles by Miles Davis. And this is one of Dave's absolute favorites. That'll be fun. Mm -hmm. 
And then we turn to classical. We do have one entry from Bach on our collection. We'll get to that one next time on Lester the Nightfly. been a PJ DJ production. To learn more about Dave, go to davekikoski.com. To learn more about Lester the Nightfly and this series, visit lesterthenightfly.com. <laughs>